You're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. I want to remind you that KBOO is a volunteer-powered community platform. That means we are funded by you, the listener. If you're enjoying this program, please show your support by making a contribution today or better yet, become a monthly sustaining member. Just go to kboo.fm slash give or text the letters KBOO to the number 44321. Thanks very much. My name is Joseph Gallivan and you're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guests this week are Stephanie Sheffers and Emily Wise. They're talking about Cosmic Shake by Dan Lamb and Hands That Hold the Melting Rope by Emily Wise. Both shows are now at Sheffers Projects at 134 Southeast Taylor Street through August the 5th. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus again, Stephanie. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. We're talking to you about Dan Lamb's artworks. She's based in Texas and is not available. You're showing Dan Lamb's work for the fourth time at Sheffers Projects, and she's produced 52 pieces this time, 52 sculptures. They're very trippy, they're very, you know, day glow colors or iridescent colors. The shapes are either discs or sort of melting shapes that spill over shelf kind of edges or staircases. They're all, many of them are covered in kind of natural forms or spikes. They're made of poly foam, then acrylic paint for the color, and then they're covered in resin for the with a sheen. Tell us a little bit about Dan Lamb, where you discovered her and what you think of this new development in her work. Well, the first time I became aware of Dan's work, it must have been like somewhere around uh, 20, 2016. And I'm not exactly sure how I discovered her. It, you know, it could be one of these Instagram things, but I do remember at the time she was showing at Fort Worth Arts in Fort Worth, Texas. I remember going through their website and and looking all, at all the work and just being really amazed by it all. And then decided to reach out to her to um, see if she was interested in participating in a group show that I was putting together. This was in 2016. And then we moved on to another group show until we finally put together our first solo exhibition together in 2018. So she's based in Texas and has representation there. You're kind of her Portland outpost. Did you commission all these pieces? How does it work? She's one of those artists that I can just have faith and trust in, you know? So when I ask her if she's interested in in doing a solo, it's like I, I really want to give her creative reign and just see what comes pouring out. And it's usually amazing and, well, always amazing, always wonderful. There's always a, a little bit of discussion throughout the months prior to the show of, of what's happening and I'll, I'll give feedback. It's just a lot of a lot of conversations back and forth until I finally receive like three huge coffin-sized boxes filled with art the week before the opening. Mm. That's usually how it goes. 
So let's go over here. You have all the works either on the wall or on plinths. So pretty much anything that's very 3D and depends on a base is on a plinth. Some of them are uh, directly on the wall. There's one here. Imagine a giant frisbee, like two feet diameter, and it has concentric rings of color which fade into each other from the outside. Pink, orange, yellow, green, and then light blue. But then all over that surface are these little look like maggots, little squiggles of, of uh, acrylic paints, which are three-dimensional. They're sort of tubular, so they squirt it out of a very fine tube. Each one curls or curves slightly, and they're kind of interlocking. And it's very much um, kind of pattern you'd see. She said uh, she's inspired by coral in the ocean. You know, it's a kind of pattern you'd see in nature where everything is moving but everything is giving each other a certain amount of space. This particular piece is called Sunspot and it's about 19 inches in diameter. The base of it is poured polyurethane foam. The paint is acrylic which is applied with an airbrush. Then of course when applying the the pattern on top what I call it, it's a squiggly pattern, reminiscent of uh, Keith Haring to me, kind of looks a little bit alien, but like you said, um, Dan was inspired by coral and coral reefs. It's applied with your typical icing bag that you use for cake decoration. On top is a coat of resin that helps give it its sheen, but also protects the piece. This one is kind of crawling with these shapes. The, the squiggles are everywhere. Just to the left of it, a, a little bit lower on the wall, is another one. Same shape, but it has these translucent blobs on circles that are raised up and those extend around the edges and are also sticking on the wall. There's a little separation from the wall. And the color scheme is sort of pink, blue, green, sort of beige in the middle. And then the, the, the squiggles are a different color. They're all purple this time. And it has this effect, this high contrast between the purple and the bluey green. And then there are bald spots where these fat, uh, sort of shiny disks exist. The big ones in the middle, they get smaller to the edge. This one is called ultraviolet. The um, blobs, the discs, they're all um, resin. The discs that you see at the edge of the painting or at the edge of the sculpture that are touching the wall, it's actually the resin, part of the resin that is dripped off of the piece mm -hmm. as she's pouring it. And she, a lot of times she'll, she'll leave those drips. Mm -hmm. So when it drips to a horizontal surface, it forms a circular pool. It's kind of, it's very viscous and it, it doesn't spread very far. So she keeps that in, at least on the top edge. So it's called ultraviolet. It does have a kind of a black light feel to it in the sense that the, um, the whitish green background seems to be glowing, almost as though lit from within. As we move just a few feet forward, there's what looks like a little set of stairs, like three stairs, like a little footstool, probably like 18 inches high. And the stairs are like green and pink and, and another kind of pink. Around the base are these three blue panels, almost like everything she was pouring cascaded down the stairs and off the side and formed these blue patches around the outside. This is a different kind of style. It's more resin, it's more translucent, it's shinier than the, the other two. And it's a 3D piece. 
you know, you wouldn't put on a wall. It has to be on a pedestal. Some sort of flat surface it yeah. needs, needs to be on. It does remind me of a waterfall, the way the, um, the resin is cascading down the steps and then collecting near the base of the sculpture. And this piece definitely has multiple layers of resin to get that effect. The back has a kind of a, uh, its own little waterfall and it's kind of rainbow colored. All the colors on this are kind of pastel. Um, one beautiful detail is where the resin pools, it outlines itself in blue. I don't really know how. It's a matter of applying paint around the edges of it. A lot of times you'll take a powdered acrylic and just dust the piece in order to get a hint of that color. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just so much going on in terms of um, different levels and layers and then textures which are all kind of covered up by the resin because it's so shiny and smooth. There's a finality about the, the surface. And then when you go just across here, she has these ones called moons. They're like crescent moons, but set as an arch. So the face of the moon is down and they kind of look like a mud guard for a, for a big fat bicycle tire. There are different ones, but this one is all iridescent. So it's that white um, mother of pearl type color. And it's just a, an arch with a lot of drips. There are several main drips and they go over the edge and they form secondary drips. You call these a crescent moon shape and the name of the show is Cosmic Shake which suggests sort of uh, you know astrology or astronomy. What do you think is the attraction of these crescent moons? The crescent moon is an, a new shape that Dan has been exploring and I just think it's it's very fitting that she's exploring this at the moment because her her work has always throughout the years have had like a otherworldly feel to it. it feels very alien like um these alien creatures that are living among us it's just this gorgeous half moon shape but still very dan you know it has it has the drips it's a piece that can sit on the edge of a flat surface this particular one has an iridescent pearly quality to it. That is not really acrylic paint. That's more like an iridescent powder that again, that she's dusted on the piece, but it just has this like really cosmic sheen to it. Really a nice sparkle. And it's, it's on a pedestal with two very contrasting pieces because the colors of the other two are really, really day glow. There is this day glow yellow spill going over the edge of the white pedestal and that fades to a blue and then the top piece is a sort of a, a rectangle that's a four or five inches off the surface and that's all bright cerise a very strong kind of pink the squiggles are uniformly uh, day glow this day glow yellow mm -hmm. and then on the other corner of the pedestal is one of her spiky pieces. Similar idea, it's two rectangles that have had stuff poured on them. It's dripped, the drips become the supports and they also go over the edge. But she's got these, these little teardrop shaped spikes, hundreds of them all over this, almost like a sea creature that doesn't want to be touched. So these are two very contrasting styles, both in color and in form and texture. I'm surprised you got all this out of the same shipment. <laughs> it's 
so am I. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, like all, all of these pieces, all 52 pieces, they're basically the same material, but the way that she utilizes these materials is you could get completely different sculptures depending upon um, how much resin you use, where you're pouring the foam, what kind of texture you're applying to the piece. So it's just, the possibilities are, are pretty endless and she's constantly exploring that. Mm -hmm. The amazing thing is when she makes these spikes, you can see her on Instagram video, mm -hmm. she does them all by hand yes. and she, she has that kind of cake decorator's perfect placement mm -hmm. they're in sort of intersecting arcs you know almost like in, in the seeds in a plant but she does it all by hand when you would think oh you could just do this on a computer and like 3d print it in about half an hour but she's like very hands-on very hands-on you know that's what makes each piece very special and and one of a kind really you know i mean to the human eye everything looks very evenly placed it's just like it, it's pretty amazing how focused her technique is and how precise she is mm -hmm. with each spike or even each squiggle i would assume like if you really really analyzed it there might be some little deviations mm -hmm. you know um in space and size you know that's of course a sign that it's been made by hand mm -hmm. right you know has the artist touch and is that always better these days made by hand versus made by computer i think so it just has this personality infused into the artwork when an artist is is making their piece by hand as opposed to the coldness of a machine the biggest one is over here in the corner and it looks like a bench it's a um a rectangle that seems to float in the air and the only thing keeping it up are all the spills that came over the side and formed these pools that are like uh, sort of shoes in front of it, blue shoes. But the whole green surface of the bench is covered in these icing on a cake, like pointy little blobs. And these are rock hard, right? You wouldn't sit on it. Oh yeah, you, <laughs> you would not want to sit on this. They look like rubber, so you might be tempted to touch them, but they are hard. And, and the structure of the piece, what's holding it up is just the resin. Is that right? Or the foam? It's, it's a combination of foam and resin. So the, the structure of it is the polyurethane <clears throat> foam. The paint is acrylic with a few coats of, of resin on top. Okay, so now I understand it better now. The, the bulk of these objects is the foam. The foam drips, but sets very hard. Yes, it sets very hard, although they, the pieces are pretty lightweight. Of course, the bigger the piece, you know, the heavier it will become, but because they're primarily foam, they're lightweight pieces. Mm -hmm. What is this bench weigh? You know, I haven't properly weighed it, but I would imagine it's it's somewhere around the 12 pound mark, mm -hmm. somewhere around there. What's it called? Cosmos. It's a wonderful floor piece, definitely an attention grabbing piece due to its size. It's uh, approximately 43 inches in length. They're all pieces that, I mean, imagine they're kind of hard to clean, right? Once they get dusty. You're going to have to deal with this shiny surface that's covered in spikes. 
And then also, maybe fragile, you wouldn't want these at floor level where someone could like trip over them. Well, I guess it depends on what kind of household you have. Maybe if you have a lot of pets or kids, you might want to kind of reassess the placement of your pieces. As far as cleaning goes, you know, a good microfiber cloth and a gentle touch goes a long way. The colors involved, I mean, as you look down the wall, they're, they're so vibrant, they're so neon, I suppose the word is, the green and pink and purple in contrast, despite the fact that they're all handmade, they do have this slickness about them that they could be objects made by an ad agency or a Hollywood set where they're, you know, they have like an unlimited budget and they're gonna do this one thing absolutely perfectly. Dan Lam has her own studio mm -hmm. and she just does all this pretty much by herself. Oh yeah, and she does it all by herself. Uh, her work ethic is extremely strong, I'm always, impressed by her in, in that way um she she has a studio um in near her home in dallas texas and it's a wonderful warehouse that she's turned into a creative space and is just constantly creating and exploring with her work mm -hmm. and she's also doing something at a bigger scale for the new meow wolf that's opening there yeah. in texas yes yes she is yeah um a huge wall installation that is very quintessential dan lamb with the psychedelic drips coming down the wall mm -hmm. yeah but just big it's huge it's huge yeah and from what i understand you can actually it's it's interactive you can actually walk around on this sculpture because it's dripping down the walls and then spilling out onto the floor so you can actually walk on it you can touch it you're you're part of it mm -hmm. my name is joseph gallivan you're listening to art focus on kboo portland one of my guests this week was Stephanie Sheffers. She runs Sheffers Projects at 134 Southeast Taylor Street. And she was talking about Cosmic Shake, the new works by Dan Lamb. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus again, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking with you. My second guest this week is painter Emily Wise. Emily's show, Hands That Hold the Melting Rope, is on now at Sheffer's Projects through August the 5th. Thanks for doing Art Focus for the first time, Emily. Of course. This is your first kind of bigger gallery show in Portland. It's got a lovely um, enigmatic title, Hands That Hold the Melting Rope. So why don't you tell us what that means first? Sure. A big part of my process is writing, so I think Sometimes the writing comes first, sometimes the painting comes first, it's sort of, but I think with this one, I didn't have a lot of words until towards the very end of like completing this body of work. And I started reading what I've been writing the whole time. And I was thinking about how much this body of work reminds me of like, like I kept trying to think of something to say about time and like time within these relationships, or it's mostly about women's relationships and I was talking to someone at the opening actually and I think they did a better job at like succinctly saying that the show like hands that hold the melting rope is about aging it's mostly about aging and time and like sort of this time travel sci-fi way how you change how your relationships change so you have this little story about you drive to 7-eleven with a bunch of friends 
They cross an invisible boundary. The veil between worlds has thinned. And then you come into this, together you're in this kind of heavenly space and you're marooned and you're just kind of waiting. To me, that sounds like, a, you know, you're out tripping and you're on a Saturday night. What, what, is the, what is the real meaning of that? transition. I mean, I, I am very obsessed with thinking about the veils between worlds, but I mean, mostly I'm talking about the veils between worlds are sort of like trying to visualize what is right underneath the surface, separate from acid or drugs or psychedelic. This, I don't want to say spiritual because that's not exactly it, but something in the, in that ballpark of like this sacred space, that's like a world on top of a world where you're a part of this world, but like you're seeing it in this totally new way and you're together with other people in that. So you sort of get to explore it together. And honestly, to me, it feels like a respite more than a waiting. Like I think about, they just all look comfortable there and like maybe a little introspective, but they don't, they don't feel like they're waiting for it to change. The, the biggest painting is a diptych. It's called The Sun Sets on Everybody, Baby. And it's so it's two paintings, but they're very close together, like a few millimeters apart. They show mm -hmm. different women's bodies at different angles. Um, you know, sort of legs are in the air. And then there are plants. And then you use color, you use sort of almost transparent versions of purple pink you know royal blue and navy blue they layer over each other and there's a sort of a pink background who are these people in the picture i think they're mostly based on women i know but mostly when i look at this painting i think about me and my sisters mm -hmm. like me and my two sisters and i was trying to describe like the relationship like how close you can be with someone that you sort of like especially in this world that they're supposed to be a part of, losing their edge between themselves and their environment. You know, mm -hmm. like the plants, are they're kind of transparent. They're coming and going. And it's almost like the, the one laying down with the hat looks like she's relaxing the most. But also the title specifically, I was trying to talk about death a little bit. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the women has a kind of train tunnel sort of a black tunnel coming out of her back, mm -hmm. I think. And then there's a sort of river, or maybe train tracks pouring out of it, dark blue, and a, and a red light in there. Is that, well, what is this kind of tunnel? I feel like I've been painting or trying to, trying to paint portals for a long time. And it's so interesting that you're talking about a train because I didn't really think about that till now, but they seem to be at the beach and I was thinking about the water flowing through her, like through her onto the other woman. And like, again, in this timeless place, whatever is flowing out of her is like a t keeping time. These two paintings are separate, but they're pushed very close together. They make one, you know, the lines overlap, but you could separate them and have two discrete paintings. Yes. There's another interesting piece called Same Moon. And it's much, it's, well, it's, it's probably a, a bit more complicated in composition. Um, the shapes are harder to decipher. You know, there's a woman's face tilted back in the very center. And there is a moon, a white moon there. And then there is so much kind of foliage in contrasting blues and pinks and oranges. And then there's a big purple and pink shape on the right, which 
You pointed out is somebody's body with their legs folded under. Is this one person and what is the same moon refer to? It is one person. It's interesting because, you know, the left side of the composition, I would say the left three-fourths is pretty obviously a woman. You can follow it a little bit more. And the right side sort of opens up into this negative space. That's that's the bottom half of her body. In this body of work, I really just wanted to play with like how to put a body in in a rectangle, you know, like how to put a how to fit bodies on canvases, like and in relation to this story, I was thinking about, you know, I'm constantly trying to locate these these women in this space of like, where are they? And I want that to be confusing, which is a lot of the layering and the foliage. And like, it's like the natural world on steroids. Like it's, there's nothing super subtle, but in terms of the moon, you can sort of see that that red dot in the center of the painting, which first of all, I think is really funny because I was so like in it while I was painting it that I didn't realize I put a red circle in the center of this painting, which felt really ballsy for lack of a better term but in any case you got red dots in the center of three paintings i guess so (laughs) it looked like someone's training a gun on them you know i guess i just really wanted to point out the center of these painters (laughs) paintings but the moon part you know the moon is just rising while that sun is setting like sort of in her face so i was thinking about you know them being in this world and in the in the sort of mythology I built around these characters it's the same moon that like we also see in the world we're in so I was mm-hmm. thinking about that the two of the other paintings that really jump out one is called pulling like a feather it's mostly blue and it has this bird on a woman's shoulder I think and he the bird is in a sort of checkered pattern blue on blue and the other painting is uh, once an ocean it's another portrait both of these are sort of head and shoulder portraits with lots mm-hmm. of floral details. And you said you've been painting that shape of person for a while. And the other pieces where you have bodies in full are a newer development. Is that right? Yes, correct. When you're just painting a head and shoulders, what do you feel you have to add to really bring out the, uh, the identity of the person? That's what's fun about the head and shoulders ones for me is, you know, the last series of work I did was all head and shoulder portraits, but I used anything, you know, anything I could to fit in the portrait to sort of tell a story with just their their head and shoulders. And I think it, it feels a lot more intimate, an intimate version of them because they're usually looking at the viewer, not in a pulling like a feather, but in Once an Ocean, she's looking directly at you and like, you, you know, that yellow sort of jewel that is some something of her. I use the portraits to sort of like have a little bit more narrative or I usually use more specific objects, but in this, in hands that hold the melting rope, like I tried to stay away from anything specific to to see if it would like give more access points than specifics or less. And I don't, and I still don't have the answer to that. So I don't know. Sure. Just, uh, just tell us really, what is the melting rope? I think it's time. But I also think it's like, specific to how time changes. I was thinking about a candle melting. I've been thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. thinking about time moving in this linear direction, but also thinking about it, using it as like an eternal symbol with our relationships, you know, like you're sort of always bound to each other or love in that sort of sense. Is it a rope we're pulling on or a rope that's dividing us? 
Oh, I mean, it's definitely not dividing us. I think it's the invisible ways we're connected to one one another, especially Mm -hmm. when you've established a relationship like you with your children or your mother, you sort of have this built in eternal connection. Yeah. 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 Got it. Well, I love that you've uh, using painting to, uh, as a narrative form, but you've kept this um, stylized kind of color palette and your own type of composition, which is layered and um, it's still affected by gravity. You know, some of these pieces could be landscapes when you look at the, the very back layer of them. Absolutely. I think there are at least at least one landscape in usually every one of my paintings. <laughs> if, if, mm-hmm. if you just have to kind of be able to locate it. Well, thanks very much, Emily. My name is Joseph Gallivan. You've been listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My second guest this week was painter Emily Wise. Her show, Hands That Hold the Melting Rope, is on our Sheffers project through August the 5th. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus, Emily. Thank you so much. Andy Warhol, Silver Stream, hang him on my wall. Andy Warhol, Silver Stream, get-